Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad you're here with us today. I am here with my most amazing guest today, Christian Lafer. Thank you for being here, Christian. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks. So give everybody a 5,000-foot view of who you are and uh, how you got to doing what you're doing. My name is Christian Lafer. I'm the founder and CEO of InstantNonprofit.com, and uh, I fell into helping people start 501c3 nonprofits and actually having a done-for-you service, which is what we do, um, because I've just been addicted to causes my whole life, and uh, that probably started early, early in childhood, but uh, that's, that's what we're up to, is creating change in the world by helping people uh, enact the, you know, the change that they want to see in their own communities with their own unique experience and vision. Nice. So how did you get involved in, in doing this? I had been working um, in various arenas and uh, came across a project that I want to do with a few friends of mine. And so I volunteered to do the paperwork part. And I sort of took that and said, you know, how hard can this application be? You know, you guys do some other things and I'll take care of this. And I just became morally outraged when I called the IRS and they told me it would take a year to you know, or so to get approval back uh, for something that's it's a charitable organization that does good. And um, what I did was uh, I didn't kind of take no for an answer. I called, they gave me the extension number of our agent um, who was handling our file. And of course that person was never available when I was. I called uh, 20 extensions or so north and south of that number knowing that I would get somebody in the IRS exempt organizations department and I would just grill people and humor them and, you know, do whatever I had to do to keep them on the phone and giving me the answers of why in God's name it would take that long to approve a 501c3 file. I asked what's, what makes a file go through quickly? What's often missing? You know, what are the, what are the deal killers? And I created something I called a love letter to a bureaucrat. Um, so that when we sent this file in, it would just be so beautiful. It would make somebody's day and they would just stamp it approved and feel like they could punch out to lunch early. And I got a, about a 30-day approval on, on that one. And I started doing that for some other projects. Word got out and I went from blogger to businessman. That is fantastic. So my understanding of the whole filing for a nonprofit is like it took it can take like 10 months a year sometimes more people give up on that <laughs> like what's the kind of normal circumstances and 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 what do you have it down to so we take this entire process and you know if you think about the work that goes into the file as well it's so opaque and it's so uh, hard to understand exactly what the IRS is looking for. There are several processes you have to go through the state. So, so the, I'll break down the three-step process that we use and, and how it makes a difference. Um, normally, you are just facing a wall of paperwork from getting the EIN, which is the tax ID number, getting the 
uh, articles of incorporation together, and nonprofits need to have appended to them particular language in their articles, which a lot of people miss and have to go back and do it. And then you have separately, so that's the nonprofit corporation piece. And the, the corporation is really the entity. People use the word or the term 501c3 interchangeably with nonprofit. But what we're really talking about is 501c3 tax designation bestowed by the federal government, by the IRS, on your state corporation. And um, that, that tax status is what gives you that tax-exempt status. Um, and so we go through a process where we front-end all of the information we're going to need from someone and get that out of them in about 30 minutes usually. And then we just deliver good news to the inbox and documents to your shared folder. Because that same information, of course, it's like all government processes. They're going to ask your name five times. They're going to ask your address five times. It's, it's a very um, repetitive process. But if you mess something up or you don't, say, append that language or you miss something that the IRS is looking for in your IRS application piece, it could get delayed. Uh, it's very difficult to have a back and forth conversation. And if you miss the deadline, they just reject the application altogether. We've turned this into a three-step process where we gather all that information, build out your file, equip you with everything that you need to get started, and then file with the IRS and we guarantee approval. So if they do come back and ask additional questions, we're gonna hold your hand through that because it's kind of like the TSA you know, airport inspection. You might get randomly pulled and you don't know why, and you might not know the answers to the questions they're going to ask. And so it's important to go into this whole thing very prepared. We'd rather have people spend all that time working on their mission and making a difference. Nice. That sounds fantastic. So what kind of people would normally um, set up a nonprofit organization? Like what, what's somebody thinking when they go, oh, yeah, I should start up a nonprofit? It really runs the gamut. I mean, one of the things I find wonderful about doing what we do is we get to uh, work with people from all walks of life, um, from, you know, exited entrepreneurs who just sold their company for millions of dollars um, to corporate funded projects where, um, you know, a, a company wants to be a good steward or maybe it's, a, you know, a health supplement company. We, we recently had an herbal supplement company um, want to get information out on, to people on how to boost their immunity and take care of themselves in general and just provide good information out there. So you've got sort of that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you have, uh, you know, a lady in the inner city who's been feeding, you know, kids peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and having activities in her little backyard or, or you know, stoop and uh, doesn't really know anything about business, has never run a business, but just knows that these kids need a place to go after school that's constructive and positive and says, well, uh, I need to get some money here, and the way to get that is to start a nonprofit. And they literally call us having never done anything like this, and we just walk them through the process. And then we want them to be successful. We're not just here to sell a, a filing service. Anybody can do that, um, although maybe not as good as we are at it. But the important thing here is they are looking for a result. And so if we can help them achieve that result times the thousands of nonprofits that we have done and will do, we actually can make a measurable change in this world. And God knows we need it. Awesome. Yes, we do. So, and I, I get that um, kind of everybody can go in and 
and set up a nonprofit if they have, you know, the right, if they have the right foundation to do it. But is there anybody that you would consider your ideal clientele, the ones that you love to work with? Uh, I'll give you a great example. And that's my friend, Sammy Taggett. He's uh, also known as Shoebox Moses. And uh, if you look him up, he is a really interesting guy. Uh, he was found as a newborn baby in a shoebox in a dumpster in the Philippines. And someone heard a crying baby and rescued Sammy and brought him to an orphanage. He was later adopted and uh, moved with his new family over to the United States and is now a celebrity DJ. He DJs for people like Richard Branson, Ryan Dice. Uh, I mean, just does these uh, Mind Valley uh, and does their A-Fests and stuff. So he has this sort of fairy tale story of um, going from you know nothing to making a difference in a lot of people's lives and really interacting with a lot of positive organizations. Tammy and I met at a startup uh, event here in Denver and we became immediate friends because when I mentioned what we do, uh, he said, oh, my gosh, I've been trying to start a nonprofit for a couple of years, um, and I just can't seem to figure it out. We did it on Facebook Live with him in under 30 minutes. And since then, um, he, he's been back and forth to the Philippines, giving back to the very, organiza- uh, the very orphanage that he came from. And so Sammy has some, you know, he's got a business. He understands some of the business fundamentals that uh, he uh, needed to understand to get this thing going and, uh, and had a really compelling story and mission. So somebody like Sammy is probably our ideal client uh, because the, the wall of paperwork that he ran into was really his, his biggest obstacle. But of course, Sammy did not know how to run board meetings and, and other things that we helped equip him to do over time. And so it's been great to watch that organization blossom and get to be known um, as, as a really effective outfit. Nice. That sounds fantastic. Like I know that when, when I heard what you guys do, I was sold at we do the paperwork for you. But I know that there's a whole ton more um, services and skills that you offer everybody. Do you want to go into a little bit about what it is that you're actually doing for people? Absolutely. And I was going to mention... Um, some of the things that you do for your clients are many of the things that our customers need. Um, so there's, there's sort of two sides of it. There's getting the end, there's, there's, there's five stages, I should say, or five stages to starting a nonprofit. Um, there's what we call the seed stage. That's just where it's an idea. There's the startup stage where you create the entity, the nonprofit corporation, get the nonprofit tax exempt status, which is what we do. Then there's the stability, uh, stage where you need to put some processes in place and have a website and a backbone for the communications and all that kind of stuff, you know, the basic company setup. And then there's scale or success stage, that's four. And five is sustain. Um, how do we make this organization able to live beyond the, the, the lifetime of the founder? Or maybe the founder after five years, you might get burned out. You need to create a sustainable organization. So, those are the five stages, and what we do is really help in, in stages one through three. You need to qualify yourself and understand if this is something for you. So yet people who have a charitable cause, and we can talk about what those are, um, decide whether they want to move forward with a nonprofit and understand some of the ins and outs. Once they get started, um, whether with us or otherwise, um, what we do is 
get the EIN, start the nonprofit corporation, uh, give you basic materials that you need to have the required board meetings, policies, et cetera. We do all of that for you, bylaws, et cetera, and then get the tax exempt status. That's kind of that stage two startup uh, stage. And then stage three is um, setting up G Suite, uh, setting up your cloud infrastructure for your, you know, organizing your folders and your information and all that kind of stuff, setting up a website, a bank account, a means to take donations, and all the other things that allow a business to sustain itself because, um, you know, there's always that honeymoon period. There's always that period of excitement when somebody starts something. Uh, and, and we want to capitalize on that excitement by putting some practices in place and some structure in place so that the business can uh, make it for the long haul. So that's kind of where we, where we live. Nice. So uh, tell me a bit about um, what kind of stumbling blocks would somebody be going through right now that they're going, oh my God, I need you so bad, Christian. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, in the current environment, uh, we've seen government that already has trouble functioning in, in some ways, right? Motor vehicle is always the, the, the whipping, you know, the, the, the example of, of a government that can sometimes be frustrating. But this is an intensely paperwork-driven process. So that's where people stumble off and they, they call us and uh, maybe want to start an LLC and, and don't know that there's a nonprofit corporation. So even just from selecting the type of entity, uh, those can be barriers. Uh, getting the EIN is a special process compared to starting a regular business. And then, of course, the IRS tax exemption is, is a stumbling block. So I would say from the paperwork perspective, those are the three big um, questions. And just what are the requirements? I mean, there's a whole checklist of requirements to, uh, to be able to get going, and we sort of just hand those to you. Um, I would say the other big stumbling block that people have is they know that they could probably raise some money from friends and family, people that support them, or they'll, most people do put some of their own funding uh, in, into the organization, but they struggle to, to understand how they will, you know, long-term, how they will sustain the organization as far as funding. You have to have a business model. And I think that's something that we really help to bring to nonprofits too, is this is a business. You do need to have a business model and an income uh, plan. And you need to plan uh, all of your expenditures and all of your income so that you can get some things done. Cool. So do a lot of people see it as a kind of an extension of themselves? Like it's a, just a personal, like this is just me being really nice to people. And so they treat it like, uh, it's it's their own money like it it you you brought up a, an interesting point because that it's run like a business and I'm going well yeah everything's run like a business but I have a different kind of mindset than I think a lot of people have and I'm pretty sure some people are just going like people will just give me money I'm just going to go do my thing and I don't have to do any businessy stuff is that kind of a common belief I think so. I think there has been one of the things that the nonprofit sector as a whole has suffered from, and especially the smaller you know, nonprofits that are very, very much tied to the, the founder and the, and the founder's vision, um, is that I think that's one of the big myths is that it's, it's not a business, and it really is. And nowadays, especially 
Um, organizations are finding, you know, back, back in the old days, you could put a child or a doggy and a kitty on the envelope and write, you know, uh, a heartfelt letter asking for donations and people would just blindly send in, you know, $50 or $100 or something um, because it, the organization feels good to them. Uh, but nowadays, people are expecting more of a closed loop. So it's like, uh, a, a, it's much more like a business. And I talk a lot uh, in, in, you know, when I speak in public about the convergence of cause and commerce. Businesses are having to act more like nonprofits. They're, have to, they're having to convey to people that they care about their employees, they care about their impact on the environment and on the human race. And then nonprofits are having to act more like businesses. They have to show people who support them what they're getting for their money, where in the old days, people didn't really expect to hear back because it was difficult to communicate. Uh, maybe they'd get a newsletter or something. Now they want to see video of kids being taught to read, and they want to see evidence that their money went to a good place. And they're also getting more robust reporting back from organizations. So organizations that treat it more like a business will get more respect and more repeat donors. And as you probably tell your clients, it's a lot easier to keep a customer once you have them than to go out and get a new customer. And the same thing is true of donors and people who support your organization. So how do you think this directly helps? Well, how does what you do directly help somebody scale their business? Because I know that uh, it's super important to you. You mentioned the founder syndrome a couple of times and explain that to people when they, that don't understand what it is um, because I think it's a great way to put um, the concept and I'll stop there and let you answer that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, founder syndrome and, and companies suffer from this as well, but a lot of times um, nonprofits become an extra, their image, right? And everything about the organization from the internal management to the external image gets tied into the founder. And over time, um, and, and Russell Brunson, right, who, who you know of, and, and he's, a, he's a great entrepreneur, he's an example. And he is very cause-based, even though his company is a for-profit company. When you think of Russell, when you think of ClickFunnels, you think of Russell Brunson. And it was all about his story and why he started this and his family and all everything revolved around Russell. But in the life cycle of a nonprofit, just like a company, there needs to be an evolution away from having everything be founder centric and have it be uh, eventually maybe uh, team centric and then uh, client centric, right? So uh, telling stories over time, a founder needs to tell stories about the donors and tell stories about the team and why they got involved and tell stories about, of course, the people that they're helping um, more than about their compelling story. But early on, it always starts with a compelling story because whether, whether it's a business or a nonprofit, these things come from deep in people's hearts as a, a burning desire you know, to solve a problem. And so uh, that's, that's kind of how that evolution works. And, it's better, you know, people need to see themselves. People will get inspired by your effort. So even if somebody does not um, contribute to your nonprofit or do business with you, uh, nowadays, I mean, just like we're on a podcast right now, people get ideas sparked because there's conversations going on around them and they say, oh, well, if that person can do this, so can I. 
So it's really important to be able to grow beyond the vision of the founder and, and, uh, and, and sort of transmit what's going on more deeply in the organization. Awesome. We are huge advocates of that. And uh, I think that's an entrepreneurial kind of thing. You, you grow your baby and it becomes really difficult to be able to let go of the baby, so to speak, and let somebody else right. raise it, send it to school and, and trust that the, somebody else is going to be able to take care of it as well as you do. So we are huge advocates of what we call the four S's of strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. And I, I know that is uh, implicitly woven into what you do and how you work with your clients, but can you kind of elaborate on, on the importance that you see in being able to scale a nonprofit? Absolutely. Um, there are some nonprofits, like we, we talked a little bit earlier off camera about little leagues and, and sports teams and things like that, that are very small community-based organizations. They might not have a vision to become you know, big and, and to scale. But many nonprofits um, do have a need to scale. And so if you look at organizations like Charity Water, um, th these organizations need to put systems in place because if something is working, you know, in, in Kenya to drill for water and to get people access to water much more cheaply and uh, as they did in a way that really engages their donors. I mean, people, you know, were like, I'm drilling this well. Uh, so they were very effective at tying the, the donor and the money that was coming in to fund the organization with a specific project and a specific people group that would be served by it. And they were able to scale because they built systems that allowed them to replicate uh, from one place to another. And so I think that is probably, you know, exemplifies the most important aspect of scaling a nonprofit is, uh, you know, if this is serving people in this community, how can it serve people in other communities. One of our consultants and a good friend of mine at the company, uh, Jim Moore, started a nonprofit and very specifically made it able to be duplicated. Um, and it's called Watch Dogs, Watch Dads of Great Kids, um, where they get involved in, dads get involved in the school and, and are a presence. Uh, and, and dads often are either not present in the home or off at work or whatever. That has been replicated into 7,000 schools because Jim very specifically uh, created a process where that could be duplicated and adopted into one school after another. And uh, we're going to have him on our show uh, when we get that launched soon because I think that's one of the most important messages that can be, uh, you know, understood by nonprofit founders. That is a fantastic story. Can't wait to delve more into that. And that was watchdads.com? Watch, watch dogs, it's called. And he's not with the org. He's a great example of avoiding founder syndrome as well. That organization is alive and well, and it's still spreading across the country. He is no longer running the organization. He's able to go out and do some other things. He actually had a terrible mountain bike accident, uh, very unexpected. So he's super thankful that he created this duplicatable, scalable system um, so that the organization did not die when he almost did, you know, he had to be life flighted from a mountain bike accident. Uh, so it's a great example of, of both of those things, scale and sustainability. Wow. That is, fan I mean, not fantastic in a good way, <laughs> fantastic right. in, a, in a powerful way that, that, he's, that he's done that. That's great. Um, so 
two last questions for you. One, people want to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of you? Well, uh, to, for your listeners, um, we have a, a special gift to help them qualify, right? Stage one, is this for me? Uh, I've got, I have an idea. I know something. I'd like to do something, uh, but I'm not sure if the nonprofit is the right way to go about it. They can go to instantnonprofit.com slash podcast fan. Instantnonprofit.com slash podcast fan, all one word. And we will give them our free 10-day boot camp and a comprehensive secret guide on how to start your nonprofit. Of course, they can also book a call and a live person, maybe me even. I do try to still do as many of those calls as I can. Uh, we'll hop on the phone and sort of walk through their idea and, and see if it's something that would be, be viable for them. Nice. That's fantastic. And peeps, if you're listening to this on a podcast in your vehicle or whatever, and you can't write that down, you can go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog, and we will have all Christian's information there in the links that you can go in and get that. That is awesome. Thank you. So last question for you is, um, at what point in life did you know that you were that special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become a successful entrepreneur? I don't think I ever consciously thought about it. I just, uh, if you've ever heard of the Colby test, it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs and there's something on the Colby, one of the things that they measure is quick start. And I am a 10 on quick start. I have people, you know, the bus is leaving the parking lot. I've got people on the bus and we're on two wheels in a, in a turn, you know, flying out of the place. I don't know if we have lunch or gas and I'm not even sure where we're going sometimes. And so I've always been like that. And I think um, by just taking action and then running into problems and then seeing in this case that this bureaucratic problem needs to be solved, I, mean, I, I, I hate paperwork. So uh, it's, it's ironic that uh, I would be in this business doing this, but we often create a business to solve the problem that we kind of hate or that we want to solve. And like I said, there was some moral outrage when I discovered how difficult it was to, to do good. And so our, one of our taglines, our main tagline is, it shouldn't be hard to do good. And I think I just kind of got drawn into this. And then when I discovered how many other people shared my frustration when they were trying to do good, um, that one thing led to another. And now we've got you know thousands and thousands of customers operating all over the world doing good for other people that we were able to, to help. So uh, it's a great thing to wake up in the morning and do. Nice. Uh, it's been fantastic getting to know you and peeps. Christian's got an absolute heart of gold. You will absolutely love him. And he's brilliant and he's smart and he does all the crap that nobody else wants to do. So thank you for that. <laughs> if you don't get enough accolades from your clients and prospects, um, I would just like to personally thank you for taking that little piece of the IRS away from everybody else and, and being the front man on that. That was awesome. So any last parting words for uh, our listeners today? No, just go to instantonprofit.com slash podcast fan and keep uh, listening uh, to Michelle. I know the four S's and, and her strategies are really helpful and can make the difference between, uh, you know, making it and not making it, whether you are a business or a nonprofit. So one of the main lessons I had to learn and a very hard lesson for me to learn is systems. And um, so I really appreciate you mentioning that earlier. And I wanted to acknowledge that. Awesome. 
Excellent. Well, thank you, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have questions or topics you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.